This is your host, Dr. Mesma Shabazz. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm so, so delighted to be here with you again. And I want to express my gratitude for listening to this podcast and sharing with friends and family. I'm very, very grateful. Today, I'm delighted to introduce Ms. Berletta Lamy, who was introduced to me recently by a mutual friend. And so I want to I invite Berletta, and actually, she was introduced to me as Princess. So do you mind if I call you Princess? Oh, of course. That's okay. So welcome, Princess. Thank you. Thank you. I like both your names. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) So welcome. You and I have never met, but as I said, you know, you were introduced to me, and this person told me. Sonia, that you have a wonderful story to share with the world. And so here we are. You are a healthcare professional. Yes. And you originally come from Jamaica? Yes. Can you tell me, could you tell me what got you here or brought you here? Oh, sure. So I was born and raised in Jamaica. Um, I came here in 2013. It was a lot of stuff that brought me here. I needed a change in life. I got to that crossroad where I needed to be in a different space to function at my optimal level. I was a midwife there. So coming here, all I know was how to be a healthcare provider. So I transitioned. I came here in 2013 and I built on that. I came and I started back as a CNA and went to LPN school, and now I'm in RN, completing my associates in nursing. Oh, that's wonderful. So as you mentioned, you were a midwife in Jamaica. And to be honest with you, you are so much younger than I thought you, you know, you'd be. I was expecting a someone in our age group kind of thing. And here you are, you're so much younger. I'm so, so delighted to talk to a different generation And tell me the difference between midwifery in Jamaica and here, because I think coming from Ghana to most of our women go to midwives versus the general hospitals to give Uh birth. Can you share some thoughts on that? Well, being a midwife in Jamaica, that meant that there's two pathways to get to midwifery in Jamaica. You could do direct entry midwifery, which when I, I don't know what it's like now, but when I started there, it was hands-on. So we were trained in the hospital. I was trained at Spanish Stone Hospital in St. Andrew. So you go in and you get trained for two years. You have hands-on experience, as I say. So you go through the whole system, antenatal, postnatal, intranatal, labor and delivery, and you get patients like that we saw women in the field because that's what midwives that's what we do you go out you see women we also work in the hospitals but it's a little bit different so midwifery in Jamaica for me was I was a midwife in the field so I did home deliveries I worked in the health centers where we saw patients because I love the interaction the continuous interaction as opposed to hospital they come to you and they go home and it basically stops there unless they have to come back again. And I, I preferred to have a continuous relationship with them. So I chose to be out in the field. Here, for midwifery, what I've seen so far 
the most experience and exposure I've had as a mid in the setting as a midwife here is clinical for this RN program. And you go in the hospital and basically the midwife does not do too much. They monitor you throughout labor. They monitor you throughout the postpartum period, the first day or two that you're in the hospital and then you go home. The doctors do the deliveries here. Okay. I've never seen an instance where the midwife uh, does the delivery. And I think the nurses that were on the labor and delivery unit that I went to clinical, they were RNs. They weren't nurse midwives. Okay. So there were RN labor and delivery nurses. Okay. A little bit different. We have a hands-on approach when it comes to delivery. You have a relationship with the mother. It's like a, a more open, intimate relationship with the woman. That's good. Now, I know it's still your passion to do this. So how do you see it unfolding, building this interaction and practice for women? So it's going to be a little bit different than what it was like in Jamaica. And I say that because back home in Jamaica, the love and respect that a midwife gets, it's unmatched. Let me just put that out there. Really, really appreciate a midwife. And we are so close with them. It's an intimate relationship. Here, how I see it going back into that role for me, I want to start off by getting a job in a labor and delivery department. That way I can see how they run things. Personally, I don't like the care that, that most people get. And the statistics, it speaks volume because Black women or are they're like two to three times more maternal than any other race. Right. The disparity is, is, is a huge disparity. So me as one person, I can't change that, but I can make some sound, I feel like. I could step in, I could educate because education is a huge part of patient care. Right. Like they know something, if they're educated, the response to certain things will be different. The outcome is going to be different. Right. So I want to step into it into the whole aspect of maternity care, what, what is it about? And then maybe add something that I've learned in Jamaica, take it with me. Cause there's a lot that I've learned there from older midwives and just my tenure there, right? So I feel like I will be able to come in, step in and make a little bit of difference. I recently took a doula course, mm -hmm. what it looks like and how you would interact with people in that setting here, as, as opposed to back home. Right. That's like a step down. You don't do anything medical, but you're supportive to the woman. So I did that course to see where, where that would take me. As you mentioned, Black women typically go through a whole lot. <laughs> I mean, can I even begin to list in them? It's a whole lot. And especially in this area, it's even more dangerous for us. Right, because we're not taken care of as uh, white women going into the same type of care. So as you're doing this work, how do we get the word out? As in letting people know that there's a resource, some information and some support, which we both we all need, right? I mean, unfortunately, mm -hmm. you know, I'm all done long time ago. <laughs> I'm all done a long time ago, and my daughter was not born in this country, so I didn't go through the same experience that 
a lot of Black women go through here. Especially now, you think of healthcare as being advanced and we have the technology, et cetera, but we still have these challenges uh, we to go through. Uh, so thank you for doing this. And, you know, if there's a way we can get the word out to folks to, because you have a healthcare practice. I do. I own Start Pro Healthcare Solutions initially. It, we started with CPR training and that's based on my background too in Jamaica. I feel like, again, Black people have a higher risk of cardiovascular diseases. And of course, the education does not get to us too much. Care does not get to us too much. One, because of disparities. Two, we don't have access to healthcare as much or the education and or diet culturally. It's a whole lot of things that set us up to be prone to these diseases that will lead to cardiovascular accidents. So I feel like everybody should learn CPR. So I started that business. I hope to grow on it. Mm -hmm. uh, hence the name, Stat Pro Healthcare Solutions. I did not put it in a bubble like solely about CPR because it really is not. So I, I plan to expand Stat Pro Healthcare Solutions. Throughout the pandemic, we got a contract, like a, um, we collaborated with the high school, the district, the public school district of Middletown, and we provided care. So we also provided testing and vaccinations to the public, the city of Middletown, and the state entirely, because I like, we drove around to people who are homebound and gave vaccines to those who wish to have had it. So it's a little bit more than CPR at this point, and it will be going forward. That's nice. That's nice. I applaud your efforts. I'm so excited to see young women really being entrepreneurs and being really strong in your efforts in getting the things that your heart desires in place, right? It's wonderful to see that happening. Now, as an immigrant, and, and, and I am too, we all have our coming to America story. I can tell you plenty. So if you want to share a success story? Yes. So coming here in 2013, I really didn't really have a plan. I just needed to be away from where I was. Mm -hmm. And I felt like at that time, right now, looking back, it was the best move that I made. Growing up in Jamaica, we grew up poor. And I'm going to say that freely without shame. I was born to a mother of, she had five kids and she was a single mother. I was the four, fourth of five. So can you imagine, right? Right, right? Her dream was to become a nurse and mine was to be a midwife because I loved the midwife that did the home, home visits in my area. And she died when I was 16. And just before she died, she told me her goal, her dream was to become a nurse. She did not get that opportunity. So this journey that I'm on as an RN is one of the most significant, I think, of anything that I will take on here. I'm living her part of the dream right now to become an RN. She wanted that. She gave me that opportunity. I went. She said the, the only gift she can give us, somebody can take away, is education because we cannot afford anything else, right? Right. So we soaked everything up like a sponge, she says. And that led me to push harder, think of her. And, and I came here. So when I came here, it was rather hard. Yeah. Most immigrants <laughs> right. go through so much. 
you go through so much. And one of mine is homelessness. And, mm -hmm. and I met Sonia in 2014 and she, she said, girl, I'm going to be your aunt. And that was a blessing because she's, she's the sweetest, you know what I mean? And I came here to family. And when I started nursing school, I, I was like kicked out and like, like really thrown out. So I came back from that. I completed school. This lady that is my aunt, like not family, but she's an aunt. You know, I got to choose her. Wow. And Stephanie, Stephanie Patrick, God bless her. She she took me in. I was in the middle of LPN school. I had six months left. And she took me in when I became homeless. I was homeless for a week. So completing that program, that LPN program, like it gave me two feet to stand on. So I'm grateful for that. That was my very first big accomplishment. And then I kept going to Sonia to get my hair done would do such a beautiful job right I keep going back all the time and I you know I, I we were talking as you do when you're in your hairdresser's chair right. <laughs> we talked so and we spoke about home ownership and that moment he says I know someone and she made one call and that someone knew somebody else and knew somebody else and I met with those People fix my credit and I bought a house and that happened in such a short period of time. I probably will never, never say never, right. but I'm now a home, a homeowner. Oh, and congratulations. It, it, thank you. It just keeps building. It just keeps, you know what I mean? Like the goal is not to get here and stop. Mm -hmm. When you make goals, you get here and it's where do I go from here? Well, we all came to this country with a dream, right? And everyone I know and every immigrant I know came also because when you are out there, they tell you things about this place that you never know about, right? And then you get here and you're like, oh my God, it, it's not that easy. And it's, not. it's extremely difficult to make something out of. But one of the things that I find really empowering is that people come here and they don't lose their dream. I know a lot of people who come as you doing midwifery, some even in medical schools, or even have completed schools and could just get a job and live in a certain way in their respective countries. But then they get here and they have to start from scratch. And starting from scratch means being a doctor and even being a janitor, you have to start and making money and you probably work two, three jobs to get money in and then buy a home, et cetera, right? And people wonder, how are immigrants doing this? The main thing that comes to mind is the passion for you to do something better than what you had before. And also to really set a dream in place, right? This is supposed to be the place where, you know, dreams are made. And that is the beauty, the idea of America that I love, right? Mm -hmm. That irrespective of your standing, if you have a dream and a goal, yes, it's very difficult, but you can get there you because can. there are opportunities built within the system. But one thing that, that you said stronger. that really touches me deeply is that Sonia reached out and helped you. She never told me that part of the story at all. She just said, talk to princess. 
Uh, yeah. She has a story to share. And it is us reaching out to support one another that makes even the dream even more possible. Mm -hmm. So as a young woman, really going, having experienced that, what do you share with people who you encounter, you look up to you or you work with? Younger women in your generation, you know, what, what would you tell them? If one advice you wanted to share with them, what would you say? You know what? Keep going. If you're in it, stay in it until you get what you want out of it. You can't just stop just because it feels like it's hard. The harder it gets, it means that you're almost there. Just keep going. That's nice. I like this is the harder it gets means you're close to really getting over that. So we've mentioned some of the challenges that women face, Black women especially, face in this system. When you are also in a leadership position, as you have taken on, now you are running your own healthcare, you know, solutions business, and you, I'm assuming you have employees, et cetera. How do you manage that? Kind of hard. <laughs> it's kind of hard because now the focus is on you. Everybody is expecting you to live a certain life, do certain things. You're going to lead by example. So it, when all eyes are on you, you are afraid to drop the ball. So you're like watching and calculating your every move. I have very few employees and it's, they're just God sent. It's such a great team, but it's, it's not the easiest to manage. I have a hard time, like I have to work on it, delegating. So it gets difficult, but I try and I, everybody works well together. We gel like. It's a democratic system that we work under. We bounce information off each other. Everybody have a say. We work along with each other to make sure everyone is happy. So, you know, everybody's like... That's very nice, you know. Yeah, being working with people can be difficult, as you say. But if you have a system where there's a shared respect going down and up, it balances things quite well. Mm-hmm. And you learn as you go. You learn as you go. I was in, I worked at a community college in Middletown. And oh. you know what I'm talking about. I don't want to mention names because I don't want to put right. people on the spot here. But I went through, I had a department that I was running and I had all my staff were white. And yeah, <laughs> it was challenging, I have to say. Not, not that. Yeah, certain things could have been different. I don't want to revisit mm-hmm. that issue, but there are certain people that come on board that really make the work enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So when the going really gets tough, which we all know in our experience, it can get tough. What do you lean on? The teachings of my mother. Okay. The teachings of my mother. That's what brings me through. My mother was a praying woman. And like I tell you, she's a mother of five and she was a single mother. And growing up, nothing that your mother says, your parents says, sounds like, it just sounds like they want to control you. But hers now, when I look back, I've lost her so young. But when I look back, everything that she's taught me, I could lean on it. I could use that as a guide to get through. It's as if she's still right here. So all the teachings that she has given to me, like I lean 
to that for comfort and guidance. The simplest thing is when you go outside, look up. Right. That's where you find your first true beauty of the day. You know when you what go I mean? outside, look up. Look up. So very powerful. If, if if you if anyone knows me, I'm always taking a picture of the skies. She used to lay on the ground with us and look up at the clouds and we discuss what shapes they were. Will something different? But it was something that she would do. So it's the little things that helps me get by when it gets hard. She was a praying woman. I will open my Bible. We prayed at 12. We prayed at 6 in the morning, 12 in the afternoon, and 6 in the evening. And anywhere I'm at and I look up and I see 12 p.m., I'm going to close my eyes and whisper a little prayer. You know what I mean? Those I, are the I know what you mean. Yeah. I lean on those to bring me through. Well, I'm very glad you mentioned this, right? Because... People think when we talk about spiritual practice and stuff that you have to like lock a block of time and everything, but it can be just a moment's thing to just, as you said, close your eyes and say a quick prayer and acknowledge the presence of the Mm -hmm. divine and keep going, right? But you pause for a moment. I mean, when I think of how many minutes or hours we spend watching TV, for example, we should be able to find a few minutes every day within that to mm-hmm. communicate with a higher power. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm glad that brings you some peace. Once again, I want to ask you about young girls, because as we are growing and as we are learning from each other and giving to each other, if you were to go to a, a high school or a middle school right now, and you were to give some advice, what would you tell them? I would like, that's an interesting question. (laughs) It is because little girls know the things that they see as, and the people that they see as role models is not always what you want to have your child lean towards. You know what I mean? So the norm now is a little bit different. So middle school, I would probably tell them, enjoy being a little girl. The things of the world is it's going to be there when you get there. Enjoy being a child. It's important for them to understand their childhood, enjoy their childhood, and not race into womanhood. Experiences the changes. Your body is going to go through changes. Your world is going to change a little bit every day. You're not expected to act as if you were in kindergarten. You have to change as you go along. So you're going to enjoy each aspect of your life. Yeah. It's hard for them because everyone's exposed to the internet now. We don't know what our kids see. So they act a little bit more grown than they actually are, to be honest with you. So I would encourage them, step back a little bit and be a child. You're going to miss those days when you get older and have to pay some bills. Well, I, I remember when I was in high school. I mean, uh, that was a long time ago, but I remember coming home and I had everything, right? I didn't have to buy anything. I didn't have to work. I didn't have to do anything. And I didn't, I was in a hurry to leave home and be this grown-up person. And I remember the very first year I left home out of high school and continuing my education in a different city. But I realized that I had to get my own food, get my own this, get my own that. I have to pay this. Not and so stuff. much fun. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, God, I'd like to go back home, right? <laughs> yeah. I wanted to 
like okay so i i noticed i spent everyone so i just take my bags and go home it was more comfortable mm-hmm. there, but i i didn't appreciate that as much as uh, <laughs> i was so That's eager okay. to grow up and be my own person right but you don't know the challenges and the curves out there that comes up as you go down the road Mm-hmm. And you have to learn it, but it, it, it's a little daunting when you try to grow up too fast. Yes. Yeah, I remember I was going home quite often, more often than I thought I would. Because <laughs> <laughs> the reality of it is, it's not what food took is, is going to be. Right. It's definitely not going to be what your, your thoughts are. So this is the age when they start to pay attention to themselves a little bit more. Mm-hmm. They, they understand the changes that's happening within and around them. So I would advise them not to get too caught up in, in the internet world. It's, it's that two seconds of that perfect life that you see. It's only two seconds. It does not depict the person's whole life story. Mm-hmm. Depression and suicide rate among the, that age group of kids in middle school. It's not nice to think about. They get so depressed because of the standards that they think they have to live up to. They they are exposed now to peer pressure and bullying. You know, it's more pronounced in, in that setting. So I would advise them, it's okay to be you, you know, focus on being a child. Step away and, from all of that. The influence in, in this country also of the media and what is being put out there make People mm-hmm. think that being close to your family or the role models, let me rephrase this. The role models when I was growing up was our grandparents and our aunties and or mm-hmm. within the family, extended family unit, right? Mm-hmm. And then even if it went out a little bit, it could be a teacher or someone you had intimate relationship with that really was guiding you in some way to be better. Right. right. Here with all the flux of money and cosmetics and cosmetic being the external things, we pay so much attention to it. And then you have the portrayal of actresses and actors and stuff as role models, even though we don't know who they are really beyond what they do. It kind of distorts the view of what is real. Right. 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 So... I, I, I'm really focusing on what you're saying to young girls that everything that they desire is ahead of them. And there's no need to really get in touch with doing everything right now in order to really, how do you say it, run down the road instead of just stepping into it appropriately. Right. Right. Okay. They're going to get there. You if they run, it. they're only going to get there a little bit faster. Right. Which is not always nice. Yeah, and, and fast doesn't mean success, right? We we always right. told on this the treasures and the what's this sorry, I'm trying to remember, and the hair doing mm-hmm. a race and running so fast ahead and only to stop for the turtle to do it slowly and just mm-hmm. get to the finish line. So mm-hmm. we need that strength to do that. Right. Tell me, you're a healthcare professional, and I know in the past 20 months we've really seen some things happen in worlds that we've never been exposed to before, having a pandemic that affected the whole world. 
we've never, I, at least in my lifetime, I don't remember uh, anything that's difficult. As you were going and providing the services to individuals at home, what did you see? A host of different things, a host of different reactions. Like for healthcare providers, it was extremely difficult because being out there in the hospitals and see how quick a patient will deteriorate when they come in COVID positive and have all these respiratory symptoms. It's so stressful. It's traumatizing. It's tiring. So burnout is easy. It's quick. And the level of fatigue is unspeakable. For the patients themselves, some people still don't believe that COVID was real. That's something they won't get into. Because if you don't have the, the knowledge, the education on it, some people will always be in denial about certain things. Some people will just speak because somebody else says something. But it has changed everything and everyone. It has impacted everybody, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, socially. It has. Economically, it has changed everything for everybody. So the norm that we knew before, what was our norm is now... I don't know what it is anymore. I don't know what normal is going to be like anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even if COVID goes, like the impact that it's going to have on us. So for the last 20 months, it has been a tremendous amount of life changing events from one extreme to the next that I feel like impacted every single body, everyone. Everyone, I agree with you. Are you hopeful? Are you hopeful? I am. And we've seen some changes, even though I question the, the results that are being brought forward with the de- decreased level of positive cases, because everyone now got home tests. So it, it's integrity at this point. Are you going to report that you were tested positive? Are you going to stay home? So those yeah. are not reported and they're not going to go elsewhere to be to get a confirmed test. You understand what I mean? Yeah. So the numbers are going to look smaller. However, the debt pool is nothing like where it was before. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that if it continues on the trend that we have, at least even if people are positive, they're not as sick and become debilitated as they were getting 20 months ago when everything first started. So Healthcare is ever evolving, and and this is one good thing about technology that I really appreciate. What's at, at a click of a button that you could transmit information from one place to another, one one professional, one specialist to another. So the the rapid turnaround of tests and and the constant testing and evaluating to see what this does, what doesn't work and come up with a vaccine as fast as they do to question the, the integrity of it, the efficacy of it, but and the speed at which it came about. The speed is not an factor for me because the internet is a powerful place. Right. Wherever you are now, it's of a button. It's like you're sitting next to me in this room. So I feel like there is hope because they can keep building on what they have um, learned about COVID because when it started, nobody really knew anything. It was a a touch and go situation. Like, I don't know what's gonna happen. Let's try this, let's try that. Okay, this works, Kind, kind of sort of thing. So I'm hopeful, I am, that it will, we will see 
better days. I used to see over 100 persons per day when I did testing and vaccines at the high school, and it decreased tremendously. And I'm happy about that. And the outcome is, is better. Do you see a lot of people, that, that's very powerful what you just said, and I want to build on that because we didn't know, I mean, I had Zoom back in the day, but I never quite used it until now that, it, you know, it's kind of, I'm so grateful it's available and there are so many other ways we can connect with a lot of people right. because we've been forced to shift from a norm to something new, right? And it's still right. unfolding. So maybe with time, I think hopefully by spring, things will open up some more. Hopefully. Yep. hopefully. Yeah. F- f- fingers crossed. Yeah. F- yes. Fingers crossed. As an entrepreneur, you're a businesswoman and trying to build something for your certainly legacy. Do you have children by any? I don't, I don't know. Yes, I have a son. Um, I have a 14-year-old boy. Oh, wow. Okay. And he's at that age where things are happening out there and also using technology faster than (laughs) (laughs) he teaches me everything because I do not I'm not that computer literate at all so I call him for everything and he's on top of that (laughs) all right so as a mother and I always say this you speak very highly of your mother and what she taught you and left you with you know that you live by today I have the same things you know my mother was very very strict woman back in the old days and uh, we had to do things a certain way but it guides me she gave me the discipline to be able to really hold my own and to shape my world in such a way and I think if you're disciplined you can get through a lot more right what do you tell your son a number of things so I as a single mother it's hard to raise a boy and you will hear things uh, like you cannot a single a single mother cannot raise a man I do not know what their parents raised but I will raise a man I have no desire to be his father but I'll play a role as good as any so I will teach him things my most often I will teach him about having a good personality being a good person because it's very important to be a good person it will take you as far as you want to go if you have that mindset and that personality and I my mother often tells me if you can't do good don't do anything at all and I tell him that be a leader everybody will not be a leader Mm -hmm. but if you're going to be a follower be the best follower and choose your leader you are not led astray and I tell him that all the time he has a strong personality he's a very good child I have not gotten thank God I need a piece of wood to knock on (laughs) (laughs) I'll knock for you I'll knock for you (laughs) thank you I have not gotten one bad report every teacher says he's so respectful he's such a good child he's so helpful I always tell him let your behavior and your words before you when people see you they said okay you do not always get a second chance be a good person always because in this day and age what we have going around the leadership that we see spread across social media the good things does not always make it out there mm-hmm. it doesn't it's always the wild stuff and I say wild and it's mild compared to the things that are tossed around out there for our young men so that's one of my main lessons to him. 
have to be a good person. And of course, the only gift I can give you, like my mother gave me, education. You have one job, go to school and soak it up. You don't I don't understand the excuse why people, well, there are a lot of challenges people face sometimes that make them drop out of school. But when we think of school in this country where it is absolutely free, primary school, middle school, high school, everything is free. College, you can go to college and yeah. And and so I it bugs my mind a little bit that you know people drop out of school. But as you're saying, most of the time we raise men, we raise boys to not really see this responsibilities they have also in society in other words Mm -hmm. they have a freer reign than girls yes but we have to also raise boys to respect girls absolutely right and and because otherwise this cycle of violence against women misogyny all those things that are happening in our society that we don't like We'll keep going on because we're not stopping it from the way we raise our boys. So I'm very glad that you're giving him the tools to recognize what is important and how to behave uh, properly. We talk about girls a lot. I do. But I also Mm -hmm. think that boys are important if we're going to form a partnership of a better world for our kids and grandchildren. So I agree with you with that. I completely yes. agree. Yeah, so. It's hard when the blame game is usually on the women, on the girls. It's like mm-hmm. a woman does not get a chance to try. A, a man, a boy can always, I'm trying. Right. But a woman, a girl has to, oh, I have to. It's not, it, it's never going to be fear, but responsibility and accountability is very important. Very, very important. And, you know, I'm glad you bring this up because, you know, girls, growing up as girls, we taught these are things you cannot do. You have to be do these things. I remember, you know, you have to learn how to cook. You have to learn, you know, um, right. to be a good wife, you have to be this, this, that. There's so host of things, you know, and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. but why can't uh, the boys do the same things? Right. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the exactly the same things, but they should also have equal responsibility so that we all, you know, ease our way through life a bit. And it would be so much easier. We have this complex where I don't know if it's a race or what, but it's one that I'll never join. Like you can do things like anybody else. And if you, some men nowadays, they have this complex where, okay, I want a woman that's going to cook, wash and clean, but you also want that woman to go out and work. Yes. So you work, cook, clean, take care of the babies and still get yelled at for not doing it. Yeah. Bring home a paycheck. No, no, no. You can't have it both ways. It's either you want the olden days or you want a modern woman. What are we doing? Yeah. It starts starts in childhood. That never worked for me. (laughs) (laughs) If we go split, we go split. But it starts at childhood. This is the age when we have to teach them roles and responsibility and accountability. Mm -hmm. I think it starts here. Well, I grew up, I'm very fortunate. I grew up with uh, very strong women. You know, my mom and my my aunties and uh, my grandmother. My grandmother was very quiet. 
and very calm. But I didn't see anybody come do any foolish thing in front of her. That was never happening, ever. I never saw that. So I'm very grateful that they gave me the tools to say, ah, you don't have to do these things to be a woman. Right. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she uh, have that look, that one look that will make uh-huh. me change him. Okay, uh-huh. well, that, that's why. <laughs> yeah, we know the look. Absolutely. That yeah, we know the look. Time it is. Yeah, <laughs> they don't that have looks. to say anything. You I just know. get a look that you know gives you, and I do that too, even now. <laughs> <laughs> I I, I learned from some very wise women. You don't have to always use words. You don't have to. Sure. So we spent quite a, almost an hour together. Oh, really? Really? When you're having fun. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Good conversation here. I really appreciate this. I ask you to close. You know, you're a busy woman and you have to head out and you give me time in the to do this and I appreciate yeah. that. Who is a woman of power and grace to you? I would say such woman would have the the quality or would have it in her to change and impact lives and people effortlessly. So this would be something that's innate or something that she has acquired, the ability to impact others, like to keep them on a path or just to change their mindset. And this is, she does this effortly and have people complete life-changing tasks, something that's going to impact, impact them. And she does that with grace and poise. That's, that's a woman of power for me. That's, that's wonderful. I am so, so happy to meet you. And I'm looking forward, like we are going to get more time, spend more time together and see how we impact others. You're already doing it. So I'm very, very proud of you. And as we close, I want to once again thank all our listeners. And I'm very, very, very grateful for your presence. Thank you. See you in a couple of weeks. All right. See you there.